0: Few nations on earth have had more colorful history than what we're about to dive into. A nation that at one time has been ruled by samurai warriors, experienced isolation from the outside world, and has boldly expanded over most of Asia. One of the most warlike nations in the early 20th century, and even today often serves as the voice of pacifism and restraint on the international stage. We will dive deep on this country, You'll even learn the value of a square-shaped watermelon, babies born after 2018 living to an age of 90, and of course, sumo wrestling traditions that keep overweight grown men in diapers. Today, we'll be soaking up knowledge of the great nation of Japan. I'm Scott Parrish and you're listening to Dying to Eat. Each episode, we'll be focusing on the relationship between food and death around the world. Props go out to everyone that listens to us, especially to a few of our followers that commented this week. Allison Rosen, Alex Pulls, and David Warner. This show continues due to supporters like you. Also remember our sponsor, TheTailoredHemp.com. For CBD products that, in my non-medical opinion, will help you with anxiety and rest and are completely legal in all states. Quality Matters. So forget the rest, get the best, the thetailoredhemp.com. So if you love food, culture, and fun stories, stay tuned to see what we'll be covering this episode and to see what's cooking this week. 35,000 years ago, Paleolithic people came to Japan from the Asian mainland. At the end of the last ice age, about 10,000 years ago, a culture called the Jomen developed. Jomen hunter-gatherers fashioned fur, clothing, wooden houses, and elaborate clay vessels. According to DNA analysis, the Inu people were most likely the descendants of the Jomen. The second wave of the settlement by the Yayoi people introduced metalworking, rice cultivation, and weaving to Japan. DNA evidence suggests that these settlers came from Korea. The first era of recorded history in Japan was the kufan which was around 250 A.D. to 538, which was characterized by the large burial mounds, or Tulumi. The Kufan were headed by a class of aristocratic warlords, and they adopted many Chinese customs and innovations, hence the similar culture similarities that you see between the two today. You may have heard of Buddhism, or at least you've seen a statue in a movie or two growing up, which of course a popular religion in Japanese culture. Buddhism came to Japan during the Asaka period. That's around 538 to 710 AD, as did the Chinese writing system. At this time, society was divided into clans. The first strong central government developed in the Nara period, which was 710 to 794. The aristocratic class practiced Buddhism and Chinese calligraphy, while agricultural villagers followed Shintoism. Art, poetry, and prose accelerated the Japanese culture and forwarded the Heian era, 794 to around 1185. Also on the ride was the development of the samurai warrior class. Samurai lords called shogun took over the government in 1185 and ruled Japan in the name of the emperor until 1868. That's nearly 700 years. In the 1330s, a strong emperor, Go Diego, tried to overthrow Shunkanite, and this was this really only resulted in a civil war between another the northern and southern courts, and it lasted about 60 years. In 1868, a new constitutional monarchy was established and headed by the. Meiji Emperor. The Meiji Emperor's death. After the Meiji Emperor's death, the Emperor's son became the Taisho Emperor. His chronic illnesses kept him away from his duties and allowed the country's legislature to, indu- to introduce new democratic reforms. During World War I, Japan formalized its rule over Korea and seized control of northern China. The Showa Emperor, Hirohito, you may know that name, oversaw Japan's aggressive expansion during World War II, its surrender, and its rebirth as a modern, industrialized nation. In today's Japan, the constitutional monarchy is still in place, and the current emperor holds very little political power. He serves primarily as the symbolic and diplomatic leader of the country, which is about one-third of the population of what America is coming in shy of about 127 million people. The country today suffers from an extremely low birth rate, which makes it one of the most rapidly aging societies in the modern world. If you're thinking about going to Japan and you're hoping to find some some people living there to speak English, well, good luck. 99% of Japanese citizens speak primarily Japanese. A lot of stereotypes and confusion around the language. But the Japanese is strictly in the Japonic language family and seem to be unrelated to Chinese and Korean. However, Japanese has borrowed heavily from Chinese, English, and other languages. In fact, 49% of Japanese words are loan words from Chinese and 9% come from English. But still, if you're an American, don't go there and expect to get your questions answered. Their culture is also very standoffish, they rarely communicate with strangers, and everything flows and moves so quickly, you'd be lucky to get someone to take the time to chat with you, even though you, if you did know Japanese. Now, that's the perspective that I have as a non-resident of Japan. If you've got a different experience, I'd love to hear it from you. Tell me how Accepting the Japanese are and tell me how they helped you when you visited Japan. Now, if you feel like we're in America and we look at our phones too much, wait until you go to Japan. Japan is one of the most technologically advanced societies on Earth. As a result, it has the world's largest, third largest economy, by GDP. Now, that's after the U.S. and China. But think about the population difference. Japanese exports include automobiles, consumer and and office electronics, steel, and transportation equipment. Imports include food, oil, lumber, and metal ores. Most Japanese citizens practice a blend of Shintoism and Buddhism. Very small minorities practice Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, and Sikhism. The native religion of Japan is Shinto, which developed in prehistoric times. This Polytheistic faith emphasized the divinity of the natural world. Shintoism does not have a holy book or a founder. Most Japanese Buddhists belong to the uh, Mahiwana school, which came to Japan from Viet, Korea in the 6th century. In Japan, Shinto and Buddhism practices are combined into a single religion, with Buddhism temples being built at the sites of important Shinto shrines. Shinto consists of the traditional Japanese religious practices as well as the beliefs and life attitudes that are in accord with these practices. Shinto is more readily observed in the social life of the Japanese people and in their personal motivation than in a pattern of formal belief or philosophy. It remains closely connected with the Japanese value system and the Japanese people's way of thinking and acting. Two different views of the world were present in ancient Shinto. One was the three-dimensional view in which the high, the plane of high heaven, middleland, which is the present world we're in, and Hades, which is the world after death, were arranged in a vertical order. The other view was a two-dimensional one in which this world and the perpet- perpetual country, which is this utopian place far beyond the sea, existed in a horizontal order. Though the three-dimensional view of the world which is also characterized in northern siberia and the mongolian cultures became the representative view observed in japanese myths the two-dimensional view of the world which is also present in the southeast asian cultures was predominant among the populace let's shift gears here and get into mount fuji a beautiful mountain that most of us have heard about is popular tourist attraction, as most of Japan, is largely mountainous and forested with arable land making up about 11.5% of the country. The highest point is Mount Fuji at 12,385 feet. Try climbing that. Now, actually, you could try climbing that. It's a day hike. If you visit Japan, make sure you take a day off. To visit Mount Fuji. The lowest point is Hikaro which sits at four meters below sea level. That's about 12 feet. So grab your scuba gear because we're gonna get wet. So Japan is located in one of the world's most perilous regions in terms of natural disasters as well. The entire country is in the treacherous Pacific ring of fire. That's an area that's highly susceptible to tectonic activities leading to volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, and tsunamis. Japan has around 108 active volcanoes. Typhoons also strike the region. Catastrophic natural disasters have hit Japan several times in the past, but the Japanese people have always managed to rapidly recover and rebuild their nation. One of the most fascinating things about Japanese culture has got to be their shared cultural values. Every culture transmits values to its youth, first in the context of family and then through the educational process. In Japan, some of the core values are thinking of others, doing your best, not giving up, respecting your elders, knowing your role, and working in a group. These concepts are taught explicitly and implicitly from nursery school into the working world. From a very young age, Japanese children are taught mo mo aria. Uh, I think I got that one down. That's to notice and to think of others. Students must pass difficult interest examinations to move to the next level of education, and in the process, they learn hand-boo-it, hand, buit, hand <laughs> button, which is effort and gamin, which is enduring, and they're crucial in reaching their goals to be able to move forward. In every social situation, identity and status are largely determined by age, gender, sibling rank, and your year of entry into the group, which are also cues for the appropriate thing to say or not say to one another. Having clear social roles provides a sense of security and comfort, but it can also feel binding. For those coming from the Western culture with a strong sense of independence, work situations where interactions are based on age or seniority rather than talent or ability may feel very confining and frustrating. Greater awareness of cultural differences and values is helpful in the understanding of such situations. Japanese values are reflected in the phrases used in daily interactions which smooth rela- either they smooth relationships and acknowledge the presence of others. Whenever you go to Japan, everyone knows the precise words to say before and after meals and when you leave home, when you arrive at school or work, when you part with someone, and then when you meet them again. When you enter a store, restaurant, bank, or post office, the entire staff welcomes you with Konnichiwa. showers you with arigato gozaimasu when you leave soon you will absorb the rhythm of the expressions so thoroughly that you'll miss them when you leave japan it's melodic the most versatile phrase to learn before you go to japan is ogasha masu which means do me this favor it's the perfect thing to say when you introduce yourself when you buy something when you ask for a favor when you order in a restaurant And when you ask someone to dance or, you know, whatever. So, until the 19th century, nearly all of Japan was vegetarian. The Migi emperor himself broke the taboo and ate meat. Before then, Buddhist laws passed in the 7th century prohibiting the eating of meat, which in their culture, that's birds and fish were okay, it was any other meat. You may be wondering what Japanese folks eat. Well, There are seven pillars for a meal that they usually stick to. Of course, rice is an essential food to their daily meals. They also enjoy noodles from ramen to soba. Vegetables are nicely paired with their meals, including sea vegetables and daikon radishes. Soy sauce is a major key ingredient. It's like Japanese folks are made to like soy. Their culture loves eating salmon, tangerines, and Fuji grapes. The drink of choice is a relaxing cup of green tea. Now, sushi, which hey we all know what that is, it's a traditional Japanese dish that's based around a lightly vinegared short grain rice served with a selection of toppings or fillings like salmon, tuna, tofu, shellfish, vegetables, chicken, wasabi, you know. There's so many things. Sashimi typically includes thinly sliced raw fish or meat with an optional serving of rice. With the globalization Restaurants serving Japanese cuisine have opened in many parts of the world. Sushi and shashimi <laughs> are now consumed by people of different nations, with the former being more favored over the latter. Thank you very much, Japan. I love my shashimi and I love my sushi. I think everyone in America has seen a movie where Japanese people are weird about wearing shoes in the house. I wonder if that's where my grandmother got it. Hey, anyway, that's because they're often even separate toilet slippers. The idea of taking your shoes off before entering a house, a restaurant, or a hotel is to keep the dirt outside. It is pretty tough to get dirt out of a, uh, Tommy, a tatami mat. There are usually special shoe areas at the entrance of buildings where people remove their outside shoes and put on slippers for indoors don't go inside a Japanese home with shoes on, is considered extremely impolite, even if they're new Jordans. Would you ever bathe with another human being? I mean, not your wife or your husband. Well, think about this. Being naked in public place may feel a little strange to those of us from the Western countries, but bathing nude in a communal bath is completely normal activity in Japanese culture. Osen baths are natural hot springs that are meant to have therapeutic qualities. The tradition of this practice goes back centuries. My, her, I personally would disrespect their tradition immediately because, look, I just don't share this with everybody. If I'm ever there, I'm actually going to go wear shoes into the bath just to prove the point. Eh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Just get me to Japan. We'll make the decision when I get there. Have you ever gone to a bookstore and seen a kid laying on the ground reading an anime book? Yeah, I've seen it way more than the average bear, but in Japan, you are bound to see it everywhere because it's such a part of their culture. Dating back as early as the 1950s, these comics have been big news in Japan. Known as mag- manga. manga. <laughs> I'm going to wrestle these words into submission here. Known as manga, these comics are read daily by every, everyday people and not just uh, us geeks over here in the U.S. It's normal to see commuters on the way to work reading manga on their phone or standing and flicking through it uh, on the bookshelves of convenience stores. Have you ever seen someone playing Pokemon Go and almost run into a moving car Well, in Japan? Video games are being played on your phone are about as common as Americans drinking coffee in the morning. Everyone knows that Japan is big into its games. After all, it's the home of Nintendo, Sega, and PlayStation. Some of the first games to enter the psyche of the Western world were from Japan. Mario, Zelda, and most famously of all, Pokemon. Playing phones on... Playing games on smartphones is big news, but it's not uncommon to see people tapping away at the latest game on their phone. Video games are all they have because gambling is illegal in Japan. Hmm. H- have you ever imitated a Japanese man? What is one thing that you always do? It's bow and say thank you, right? Probably the, an obvious fact about Japanese culture, but yeah, bowing is important. And we mean to basically everybody. Whether it's a nod to a convenience store clerk or a big bow to your superior at work, it's a real thing. How many times you bow, how deeply you bow, shows your level of respect for the person you're bowing to. Even friends bow to each other. I wonder if everyone, I wonder if anyone ever gets stuck, you know? Think about that. You bow, your back goes out. And suddenly you're walking around looking like you're trying to find lost change. If you've ever been to New York City or taken a train somewhere, then you've probably been in that situation where you just wish people would be quiet. Once you're on a train in Japan, you'll notice one thing right away. It's like a library. If people talk generally, they do so pretty quietly. People rarely take a call on a train. It's a handy fact to know about Japan. You should keep that in your back pocket. You're in such close quarters that keeping yourself to yourself is not just the most polite, but also the sanest thing you can be doing. It's all about harmony. Many people think that Japan, Japanese people are quiet and not open to talking to strangers. This isn't always the case. And definitely not the case after a night out. So, I know I'm changing some of what I said earlier. Getting ready to go to Japan now, aren't you? Wait till you hear this. The Japanese are big into drinking. Alcohol is a massive part of everyday Japanese culture. And it's not unusual to see rowdy groups of friends falling out of bars and starting up conversations with strangers. Now, one thing about living in Japan is... Forks and spoons aren't as common as they are in our everyday life. So, here's another thing. If your fork is your favorite utensil... Japan may not be the place for you. In fact, when people leave offerings for their deceased ancestors, it's customary to leave a bowl of food with chopsticks pointing out of it. If you do anything that looks like this in a restaurant, you might get some weird looks. It's a good fact to know about Japanese culture if you're planning a trip. When you are done with your chopsticks, just place them safely to the side. Have you ever been standing for the National Anthem and thought, Man, this is a long time to stand and hold my hand over my chest just when I want to eat my chicken strips? Well, Japan has the world's shortest anthem. It has only four lines that mean His Imperial Majesty's Reign. The anthem traces its origin to an ancient Japanese poem written around 794 to 1185, a 400-year window. It's so short you don't even know whether to take your hat off at the baseball games. You could eat your chicken nuggets before they get cold. A little known fact about Japanese culture. Everyone's a year older than what you think. It's known as kazodoshi or counted years. People would then along with everyone else turn one year older every New Year's Day. Wanting to modernize, the government made this system obsolete in 1902, but it was so popular that they had to pass another law in ni- 1950. In conclusion of this deep dive into Japan, they used to think that earthquakes happened because of a large catfish. <laughs> That's what I said, because of a big old catfish. Before the advent of science and the understanding of tectonic plates, it was believed that a giant catfish named Namazu was thrashing around under the earth and created all of japan's seismic activity it was the job of one god to subdue namazu but when he let his guard down that's when the world would uh have an earthquake they also take baths with strangers so i'm not too surprised about this i guess keep in mind the name take a because There's going to be more to come about this gentleman and this god in our special segment, which is uh, happening right now. But first, let's talk about some sumo wrestling. Sumo wrestling originated in Japan, a full-contact wrestling technique. The history of the sport spans centuries and has several ritualistic elements. It is often treated as a Japanese martial art. Those practicing this sport are required to follow strict traditions and live in communal sumo training stables called heya. Sumo wrestling is a Japanese phenomenon. It is the country's most iconic sport and widely popular not only in Japan, but with fans throughout the world. The earliest written record of sumo wrestling is 712 AD. The book, which is known as Kojo. Kojiki, okay. Let's draw this again. Kojiki, or the Record of Ancient Matters, is thought to be the oldest known written text from the Japanese culture. The Kojiki is part of Japan's predominant religion, Shinto. It's thought that sumo was a ritual dance or a prayer for a good harvest for the community's crops. However, according to Japanese legends, Tukami which is another Japanese god, was the first to have the sumo sumo match. Tekamazakuchi was the deity of thunder and of the sword. Tekamazakuchi is so important to the Japanese people, it is said that you can trace back to the bloodline of the imperial family's origin to Tekakazuchi. He was also part of the legend where the giant catfish was causing the earthquakes. This guy was powerful. Maybe he was a god. That's what Japanese believe. Legend has it, Teika Mazakuchi, his involvement in the first sumo match dates back to the time before time. Teika Mazakuchi was a member of what they refer to as the divine race. His people and the common people had a dispute over some land in Japan. Teka Mazakuchi was the ruler of the common people and did not want to give up his land, looking out for the good of, of those people. Teka Manakata challenges Takeo Mazakuchi to a wrestling match and the winner takes the land. The two met and wrestled for keeps. Ultimately, Takeo Mazakuchi defeated... Take a Mazakuji and establish the dominance of the deities over the common people. In the match, Take Mazakuchi had a grip on Take a arm and crushed his arm like a reed. In case you were wondering who got the land and who got the respect, I think now you know. As sumo progressed after its early years, it was seen as an aggressive and brutal sport. Kicks, punches, and broken bones were frequent occurrences. There was no John Cena or Stone Cold Steve Austin in the sumos. Sumo wrestlers actually had to be quite respected in that culture. From the 15th centuries to the 17th century, Japan was in the state of a constant war. So much that Japanese scholars named this era the warring states period. The country was in constant conflict for almost 200 years and ultimately led to the unification of Japan as a whole. Sumo became so popular that it was banned for a time due to the unsanctioned fighting in the streets. After some time passed the government sanctioned sumo for an event and the sport made a comeback And it is similar to what we see in today's sumo matches. But I gotta tell you, that leaves me with a visual. Can you imagine squaring off in the street some guy in diapers and, hey man, they gotta throw down. (laughs) Now that's funny. So sumo's history is utterly fascinating. From legends of gods fighting to the death, it's a sport that's been around for centuries. As it continues to grow, so does its history, adding to it a rich story that never seems like it's gonna end. So, let's talk about square watermelons. Square watermelons make an expensive gift in Japan. In Japan, farmers grow square watermelons which sell for an insane price ranging from $100 in the country to as high as $860 abroad. These watermelons are grown in boxes that force them to grow in the shape of a square. It's easier to transport, cut, and store these fruits. They are often used as expensive gifts in Japan. Receiving a square watermelon for your birthday is actually a really good good thing. Hey man, never had a square watermelon. I'd try it. So, watermelons in interesting shapes all started with a a, a cubic watermelon that a farmer in Japan, Kakawa, prefecture grew around 20 years ago. Originally, this was created on the idea that a watermelon in the shape of a cube would fit more readily into a compact refrigerator. Hey, I guess that's true. Sounds like it. The 20-pound fruit size proved to be problematic for compact Japanese refrigerators to avoid the difficulty of having a watermelon roll around in refrigerator and move around while trying to cut it. So farmers chose to alter the shape. The square watermelons are not genetically modified or engineered to grow into this particular shape. Farmers place the baby watermelons inside these acrylic boxes and allow them to grow, letting the melons naturally form to the box's edges. It was done not through crossbreeding or genetic modifications, but just in a good old-fashioned square box mold. So Japan is well known to be a country that thinks innovation of everything, such as smartphones to toilet paper. According to CNN, Japan's latest craze is for the luxury and exotic novel watermelons packed in wooden boxes and that are sold in fruit parlors decked out to look like expensive jewelry shops from the outside. Japanese farmers are renowned to produce not only square-shaped melons, but also in other shapes such as hearts, triangles, and, you know, other general shapes like that they all come in different sizes too these melons are expensive and most of them are exported to other countries japanese farmers grow these differently shaped watermelons every year to be sold in upscale markets both in japan and abroad while each fruit typically sells for between 80 and 100 dollars in japan wealthy russians as i had said earlier pay in excess of 800 dollars Uh, for these molded molded melons. Unfortunately, square watermelons are more decorative than they are tasty. The melons are harvested before they're ripe, making them pretty much inedible. If this is the case, I don't know, man. I, I think I might try it, but I've tried a lot of things that I didn't finish. So most Japanese funerals are conducted as buddhist ceremonies despite the fact that the country is largely secular while some official reports such as the cia world facebook's analysis of japan indicate its population is primarily buddhist along with believing in the country's indigenous shinto philosophy in recent polls more than half of respondents have identified themselves as non-religious a japanese funeral typically includes a wake the cremation of the deceased, burial in the family grave, and periodic mourning services after the ceremony. An interesting custom is for attendees to offer small amounts of money to the bereaved and burn incense to pray for the soul of the deceased. During the funeral, a priest will chant sections of a sutra. That's a collection of Buddhist uh, aphorisms. And they'll burn incense. The body is then cremated, a long-standing tradition supposedly originating with the cremation of Buddha himself after he reached nirvana and died. The next of kin and friends of the deceased will traditionally hold memorial services on the 7th anniversary of the deceased's death, up until the 49th anniversary, although this pattern is not strictly adhered to any longer. During those morning ceremonies held at the home of the deceased or the close relative, a monk will chant sutras in front of the family's personal Buddhist altar. Some Japanese families keep Buddhist altars and Shinto shrines in their homes. Buddhism is a tradition of personal spiritual development, with the practitioner ultimately aiming to reach the state of nirvana, where the soul is free from suffering. Buddhists believe... Existence is endless as individual souls are reincarnated over and over again until they reach a stage of spiritual enlightenment. There is no belief in a specific or personal god in Buddhism. There are two types of Buzi Ugi Buk apparently. Okay, we're talking death here. The first is Gorisin. An envelope that is presented to the family before the body is cremated. The second is gobu susen. And is applied if you're giving cash after the cremation. Giving cash may seem a little cold, but in Japan, it's accepted as the norm. Basically, Japanese give cash in place of presents, with the exception of Gaijin holidays, such as birthdays and Christmas. Okiyomei is what they call the mill where the living break bread with the dead at the uh, osua. Okiyome is what they call the mill where the living break bread with the dead after Osua and at Kasuwa. During both Okiyome, guests at the funeral usually eat sushi and drink till inebriated and talk about the good old times. That sounds pretty good to me. Before the drinking begins, though, the head of the deceased household gives a toast, which after he shouts Kanpai. Kanpai is the funeral version of Kanpai, which means cheers or to make a toast. When the body is about is nothing more than ash and bone, the family gather around and pick up the bones together using a special long metal pick. It's almost like this elongated chopstick. Often, the family will pass the bones between the chopsticks from one to the other, and this is absolutely the only time it's okay to pass something from one chopstick to another. The traditions that come with Japanese funerals are diverse and complex as, I don't know, like the sport cricket, I guess. I don't know. Anybody understand that sport yet? So, earlier we discussed the aging society that existed in Japan. The average life expectancy in japan is 81.25 years for men and 87.32 years for women the highest figures ever recorded when statistics were first collected in 1947 life expectancy was 50.06 years for men and 53.96 years for women since then huge advances in treating disease along with the public's rising health awareness have contributed to the population's ever-lengthening lifespan. Life expectancy figures have risen steadily for the last seven years for men and the last six years for women. Of the children that were born in 2018, a large portion of the boys and girls are expected to reach age 90. Now, that's record figures. Can you believe that 50% of the Baby girls born today are more than likely going to be centurions in Japan. Unfortunately, cancer is still at the top of causes of death among men and women in Japan. If there was ever a cure for cancer, I believe there will be one day, Japan's going to be full of some old people. I mean, some really old people. It's going to be driving Miss Daisy all over the place. And with all those aging females, you know, it's going to be the island of grumpy old women. Okay, okay. This is my part. Let's talk food. Matsuri is the Japanese word for a festival or holiday. In Japan, festivals are usually sponsored by a local shrine or temple, though they can be secular. There's no specific matsuri days for all of japan dates vary from area to area and even within specific areas but festival days do tend to cluster around traditional holidays such as oban almost every locale has at least one matsuri in late summer or early autumn usually related to the paddy harvest notably matsuri often features processions which may include elaborate floats Preparation for these processions is usually organized at the level of neighborhoods one can always find in the vicinity of Matsuri booths selling souvenirs and food, games, such as goldfish scooping or karaoke contest or the notorious fun-to-watch sumo matches. Man, these, these guys are everywhere, aren't they? So, other forms of entertainment are often organized in conjunction with Matsuri. If the festival is next to a lake, say, they may rent boats as an attraction. At times of these festivals, some are even broadcast on TV so that they can share their, their revelry with the entire nation. So, let's hold on to that thought for a second. The entire nation. There are a lot of foods that come to mind when I think about Japan. Wagyu and sushi are definitely at the top. Still more culturally significant than any other, and the staple that keeps American college kids from starving is ramen. In the U.S., ramen that we are most familiar comes in these plastic packages. It's filled with this dry, tasteless noodle and a flavoring packet. A flavoring packet! Anyway... Japan Ramen is a whole nother thing, packed with fresh cooked vegetables and the protein of your choice, broth and fresh noodles. You will see, I recommend, the noodles I recommend are the rice noodles. They cook quickly and they are just chewy goodness. So let's jump into my version of Japanese ramen. Mix 4 tablespoons of soy, 2 minced cloves of garlic. And a quarter teaspoon of cayenne in a bowl. Add four skinless chicken thighs and set aside to marinate for an hour or so. Next, add a tablespoon of olive oil to a large skillet over medium heat. Saute in that hot oil uh, the chopped pieces of a vin- uh, chopped piece of ginger about a thumb size and five chopped cloves of garlic. Once the vegetables are fragrant which that's about five minutes. Add a quarter cup of soy, quarter cup of chicken broth, and a quarter cup of rice vinegar. Turn the heat up and allow the mixture to come to a boil. Stir it so that nothing sticks on the bottom. Then turn the heat down to medium low and allow everything to simmer. Add eight ounces of trimmed shiitake mushrooms and cook for about 10 minutes. The liquid will reduce by about a third. Add the chicken and spoon one teaspoon of honey over each thigh now cook until the chicken's done throughout so while the chicken is cooking in the separate i need you to get a separate pot and boil four cups of water once the water is rapidly boiling add eight ounces of dry rice noodles think about this it only takes about five minutes for these noodles to cook it's not long at all now let's put this dish together remove the chicken and place it on a cutting board. In a deep plate or a bowl, add two ounces of your cooked noodles. Place two ounces of the mushrooms in the bowl. Now carefully, because they will still be hot, cut one of your chicken thighs on a bias. What I mean by that is you're going to slice the chicken into four or five pieces by cutting diagonally through the piece. Imagine when the dish is complete, the chicken is basically going to fan out a little. You can see what I mean on our Dying to Eat podcast page on Instagram. Place the chicken in your bowl. Now spoon out the broth over everything in the bowl. Make sure that you're scooping some of those fresh hot vegetables that are in the broth. And if you want to garnish your dish, then take one green onion per serving. Cut the head off the onion and slice it long ways. Place the slices on top of your dish. Repeat the process up to three more times, you know, until you get all of your chicken taken care of. And guess what? Now it's time to eat. I hope you enjoy it. I've been your host, Scott Parrish, and for those of you who have waited until the end, I'm going to share with you one of my favorite dad jokes. Are you ready? What kind of shoes do ninjas wear? Sneakers! <laughs> this is my favorite part of the show. Well, no, eating the food I cook is the favorite part of my show. This joke. And this show are made possible by listeners like you, and I really appreciate you putting up with me. If you like what you've heard, and you'd like to hear more dad jokes, history, discussion about food, and then please look out for new episodes every week on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to drop us a like and follow the show. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for sharing another great week with me, and until next time, stay lively.